we're going to continue in our study here today, the conversations with Jesus. Conversations. Now, go ahead and turn to John 10, or if your Bible automatically opens there, uh, now that we've been hanging out there for a while. Uh, looking at uh, some of these uh, conversations of Jesus, I, I'm always kind of interested in conversations. Uh, in, in different conversations, you know, you learn something about others. Uh, you learn something about a situation. There have been times... Uh, I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm sure you knew that by now. Uh, but uh, I told, I've told people before that, you know, uh, sometimes when I'm talking, I'm learning. Uh, I haven't even made up my mind out what I'm saying. I'm learning as I'm talking. I mean, I've gone back from class before and thought, wow, I never thought of that before. That was pretty good. You know. Uh, so sometimes in conversations, I learn something about me. I, I go, wow, I didn't know that about me. Uh, uh, conversations can be wonderful experiences. And the Gospel of John records a lot of them. And doesn't. I had, I, I had a conversation this week Becky wouldn't let me have. I got a phone call from the IRS. <laughs> have you got that one yet? With, with, with a deputy so-and-so. And I, I, I heard it and I let it answer and... And he said, now you need to call because there will be these uh, 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 things taken against you. And I thought, oh, I'm calling back. <laughs> oh, I love those kind of calls, you know. And Beck said, no, you're not. I said, Beck, let me goof around with this guy a little bit. I'm not going to give him any routing numbers or things like that. I'm going to turn the... T anyway, I, I didn't do it. But I saved the message. So. <laughs> So when she's not home, I may call agent so-and-so. How's it going? Anyway, uh, but conversations. We learn things about others. We learn things about ourselves. I, my dad always loved telling this little story. You're going to John 10, so remember. Uh, that uh, this, this uh, guy and this other guy were talking in a situation about another fella, and they were going on and on, and this guy kept talking and asking other questions. And finally, uh, after a while, the guy finally said, Hey, man, stop asking questions. I've already told you more than about this guy anyway. You know? So we, we, we discover those kind of things in, in our conversations. Today, I want to look at a conversation uh, in this regard, is the controversial nature about Jesus. The controversial nature. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin reading in John chapter 10, verse 19. And my goal would be to get to 39, but uh, I'll let you do that on your own later. And uh, so it says this, a division occurred again. Now, I want you to notice here uh, in this passage, uh, the word again shows up several times. I'll just give them to you if you want to circle them in verse 19. The word again shows up in verse 31. The word again shows up. And in verse 39, the word again shows up. And they all have a tendency, if you will, uh, to have some kind of controversial or some kind of uh, a difficult situation. So, so it says, so a division again, again occurred again among the Jews because of these words that Jesus was speaking. Many of them were saying, he has a demon. He's insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one of a demon possessed. A demon can't open the eyes of a blind man, can he? Remember, that happened back in 9. All this stuff is pulling forward. John is pulling this stuff forward of chapter 7, 8, and 9. And at this time, that, that's interesting how that, that John connects this because there is some distance between this initial event, which actually happened in the period of time of the Festival of Booths 
we, we talked about that some weeks ago, that, that this initial uh, uh, healing that Jesus had performed was in the Festival of Booths around October or so in that area in November. Uh, and, and then the Festival of Dedication, which, which John backs them up just right with each other. He says, at, at that time. The, and the Festival of Dedication is generally in December. We call it Hanukkah. I talked a little bit about that last week. And it's the dedication when uh, Judas Maccabees and his brothers and others retook the temple after it had been de desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes, who had r just destroyed the place, come in, actually s uh, sacrificed a pig on the altar, which was, as you know, very uh, contrary to Jewish thought about uh, swine or, or pigs, about uh, that kind of thing, and then put bl the blood of the pigs all over the walls of the temple, uh, desecrated it. Judas Maccabees and his brothers, they called Judas the hammer for a reason. <laughs> and uh, he was quite a military leader. And the dedication here that is referring to the Feast of the Dedication was that when they finally got the temple ready, they only had enough oil for one day uh, in order to, write, to, to light the candelabra that was uh, representing the presence of God, the light, uh, if you will, in the temple. They only had enough oil, that it, it was a special kind of oil, uh, that w was uh, ready for that, and they only had oil for one day. It took seven days for them to get that other oil in condition for that, and the oil lasted for eight days. Call it the miracle of Hanukkah, or the miracle of this dedication. And so this other festival that celebrates that John seems to locate a lot of the conversations of Jesus at the times of the feast or the times of the celebrations. And so it's just fascinating how John kind of keeps working this, that at these festivals, at these big meetings and big times, that these conversations occur. So it says this, and at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. Again, that's right around, depending on the, the, the moon, uh, winter in December. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple of the portico of Solomon. This is the outer area, beautiful uh, thing. You can see it online if you Google it, uh, the uh, uh, temple area. Um, and the Jews then gathered around him again and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? How long will you keep us? In, if you are the Christ, tell us. Now, it's funny here. Jesus already done that. <laughs> you know, he's already done that on several occasions, but, but there are still arguing with him and working with him. So, so Jesus answered, I told you, and you will not believe the works, or you will not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. And we're going to come back to this because there's a, a connection here between Jesus' words and his works. And he appeals to them on, on different occasions. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. And so again, this is why John seems to pull this together because chapter 10 is about the good shepherd. So he's pulled this event together with chapter 10, what we've been looking at. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now again, I want to underline this here, or remove them, maybe the word in your, your translation. But the word snatch, or just underline that for a second. You'll, you'll see a connection here in just a second. Uh, I, I give to them eternal life, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them or remove them out of my Father's hand. Notice the connection here. We're going to come back and, and unpack that. It's snatching from Jesus' hand, snatching from the Father's hand. There's something going on here. 
there's a there's a, a, a an attempt Jesus is uh, trying to make about this. So so he says this. Then the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. So so this 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 controversy. And then we probably will not uh, do this uh, any anytime soon. But verses thirty two to thirty nine. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there. Now let's look at it this way. This this idea here. This controversial nature, I don't know if you know it or not, but Jesus was a somewhat disturbing presence, right? You know, it's kind of a myth of us at times that, that we just think Jesus is this sort of mystical, kind of weird-looking, Max von Sydow, deep-set eyes. You know, remember, you all know that movie? If you're over 40, remember that one? Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, Max von Sydow with the eyes deep and, and sort of mysterious and a little weird, you know. You know? And, and, and that idea, and, and almost, if you will, harmless, you know, just, just kind of harmless. Well, that's not the picture we get in the New Testament. Jesus is, if anything, a controversial figure. I mean, I, I, I made some notes. Of, Jesus' words and works threatened the religious leaders who were concerned about position instead of piety. These guys, they wanted to hold on their position. Jesus threatened the civic leaders of his day who were more concerned about calm, keep things settled down, than they were about compassion. Jesus' words threatened religious people who looked at others with contempt instead of concern. You know, he, 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 he was, he, his words threatened much of what was going on in Israel in that day. And I wrote my notes. I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, I might be, but I don't know. But, but, but the idea is that we sometimes, if we're not careful, don't recognize how controversial this guy is. This guy is shaking things up. I tell my students sometimes when we discuss matters like this, I said, you do remember he got murdered. He was kind of controversial, wasn't he? There, there were things about him. And, and in this passage, I see, if you will, some things that, if we're not careful, we just kind of run over. And we just think of Jesus as this sweet and wonderful and and that's all true. But there was a notion, understanding that, that he was controversial. So let's look here first of all. The balance of, of, of this shepherd's words and works. Look here in verse 19. Why did this division grow up about Jesus? Look at there. Because of what? His words. You know, <laughs> Jesus here is seen as a controversial figure because of his words. Notice what they said. He's insane. Now, you know, uh, some people, if you will, are looking at this and saying, this guy's crazy. You know, listen, he said he's the son of God. He, he's made some other statements. When I, when I reflected on this, I thought of this, though. Let me tell you something. If you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you've been a follower at any length of time, there are some times when his words are hard to swallow, aren't there? I mean, let, let's be honest about this. Let, let's not put, you know, just some, some uh, uh, window dressing on this. There are some things that Jesus says that are hard to hear. I mean, they're tough. Now, you know, we all got our, our, our special passages that we like, and there's coming to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And then in Matthew 10, when Jesus said, don't think that I came to bring peace upon the earth, I came to bring a sword. I'm going to divide a man against his children, a, a husband against his wife. Did you ever read that? You know, that, that, that that's that, you know. So, so this idea, I, I wrote in my notes, I would venture to say that some of these people that Jesus, or, or that are talking about him, his words had caused them trouble. Think about what he said 
up to this point in John. I'm the light of the world. Really? <laughs> this little peasant rabbi from Galilee? You're the what? I'm the light of the world. That's what Israel thought they were. They thought they were to be a light to the nation. He said, no, no, I'm the light. Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, if somebody said that to you back then, you'd be going, okay, hold on here just a second. <laughs> right? This idea. Jesus said, I am the Son of Man. So some of the words that we read from Jesus, if we would be honest about it, we would say, this sounds crazy. You know, I've been, I've been telling you, I've been meditating on this, trying to figure out, in the words of Jesus, how do I love my enemy and my neighbor? Have you gotten that worked out yet? <laughs> That's, that was easy, right? To love your enemy. You know, when, when Jesus makes statements like this and others throughout the New Testament, I think we have to be honest and own it. That some of the words that Jesus say are at the least incredibly controversial. Incredibly so. And cause us, if you will, to take pause, at least to say, man, you know, how do we understand? Now, you know, my job, I tell people as a theologian, is to make sure that when you read one of those hard ones, I can explain it away for you. Right? That's the job of a theologian. That's how we stay in business. Right? Well, what Jesus really meant to say. You know, I, I'm getting more hesitant about that the older I get. Because, you know, I, I don't want on my, the day of judgment, Jesus said, Cliff, come over here, I want to talk to you just for a minute. <laughs> you know, when you said, this is what I meant, that's not it. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're going to be careful here. We're going to be careful. But, but, but the idea, when these people say he's insane, I mean, you know, his own mother thought that. Did you know that? In the Gospels that at one point they come to get him, his mother and father. See, we've been Christians too long. It's just kind of Christianese. But you know, when you start talking to people who aren't followers of Jesus, and you begin to discuss some of these things with them, it gets a little tougher, doesn't it? It's more difficult. When Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my follower, they have to die to themselves. Huh? What do you say? Take up their cross and follow me. So, so Jesus' words here, he was, he, was, he, was, he was very controversial in what he said. He elevated love above ritual. He elevated obedience above sacrifice. You know, instead of just running through the routine of, of going to church or going to the temple and, and offering sacrifice, he elevated love and, and love above, above ritual and, and obedience above sacrifice. This disturbed people. Jesus made statements like this that you call Him Lord. I've told you that. You know, there was one person called Lord at that time. It was the Roman emperor. And for you to call anybody Lord meant you were a traitor. Could mean you'd be dead by the, by the evening. And Jesus said, you call me Lord. And you come into God's kingdom. So I just, I wonder sometimes if we have really thought about this. The, the radical nature, I, I'm impressed Richard Dawkins, uh, who is not a Christian, obviously, you've heard of him, uh, as an atheist, did say at one point that, that the, the teachings of Jesus, if you just take them on their face, are incredible in their morality and in, their, in some sense of their revolutionary nature. I'm interpreting him there. But, but their revolutionary neighbor. Th this guy is anything but a quiet harmless little person, isn't he? He's anything but that. I mean, this is God in the flesh. 
revealing and declaring through his words how life works. I, uh, one of my students told me this the other day, and I, it, it's sad. I think he, he heard an atheist, I can't remember if it was John Crick or some of the you know, big, big time ones, you know, or whoever they are. He said this, he said, the problem with Christians is sometimes is they just take the words of Jesus seriously when it fits their situation. Kind of when it's convenient for us. There's some things Jesus said that aren't real convenient, to me at least. And, 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 and this is a reaction. Now, let, let's go on. So, so the word, Jesus was controversial in his words. And look here, he was controversial in his works. We're, we're talking about that balance here. Look here. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of a demon-possessed man. A demon can't open the eyes of a blind man, can he? Jesus was controversial to others in the fact that his works were controversial. In the sense that, Jesus even appeals to this. Notice, if you will, uh, in verse 25, I'm going to jump back here. He said, when they asked him, who are you? He said, I told you, but you don't believe me. The works that I do in the Father, these testify about me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, a, a encouraged by that. that. That Jesus would say, if you don't believe my words, look at my works. L look at what I do. L look, look at what is the outcome or the outgrowth of that. He said that to the disciples one day. You know, he said, if you don't believe me that I am with the Father, believe the Lord. John, John 14, if you go look at it ahead, we should get there someday. Maybe. <laughs> you know, depending on the eschatological timetable. Forget it. I'm on, I'm on spring break right now, so I've had too much time to read. <laughs> uh, but this idea of the works that appeal. Can, can I ask you to consider something here? There are a lot of people in our world that aren't going to be moved by the words of Jesus. They're just not. It's just one among a lot of different theories and philosophies, right? But, but what might... What might cause people to sit up straight, as my dad would say, and take note, would be if they saw the works of Jesus in our lives. The works of Jesus in our lives. Is Jesus' work anything that we can appeal to to say in my, in my friend's life or in my life or someone else's life that the works, I think this culture, if, and I'm not an expert in this area, I think, and Marty said this on different occasions, which every once in a while he's right. <laughs> Are we being recorded again? <laughs> the thoughts and opinions of the teacher, not necessarily thoughts and opinions across the community church, its elders, or leadership. Right? There's, there's a lot of, lot of people who the controversial words of Jesus will never get, they'll never get past them if they don't see the work that Jesus is doing in our lives. If they don't see something. This culture is, is, is long on explanation, long on seeing things, but asking what is the quality of life or what is the work of God in your life, Cliff? What difference does it make that Jesus is in you? What difference in the lifestyle, in the values, in the situation you find yourself in, Cliff, that, that makes a difference? I will tell you, my students are asking that question. I had a student, I'm, I'm all over the place now, right now, but I had a student ask me this week, um, or was making a comment. We'll talk about this in eternal life. When he said, you know, Cliff, I'm just so tired of going to church and all they talk about is heaven. I said, how old are the people? Because nope. <laughs> I'm getting more interested all the time. <laughs> Anybody with me? <laughs> you are. When I was 18, pff, who cares? Um, 
But he said that, he said, all they're interested in is in heaven. All they're talking about is heaven. All they're talking about is hell. And he said, what difference does it make now? Hello. <laughs> you know, I'm of the opinion that as our culture has gone, a world that they're looking and saying, it's got to work. We're pragmatists now. We, if it doesn't work, I said 25 years ago, I predicted this. I think I did before anybody else did. Although I'm not going to get credit for it except in here. And you can't fact check. Stop it. Here we go. <laughs> I said 25 years ago that the question in our culture is not going to be the words of Jesus. Are they correct? Here's the question. I said 25 years ago, people would be asking, does it work? The, the, the position that people take nowadays is not do you argue them and explain them in. They have to experience it. Does it work? If it works, then I'll believe it. I don't believe it and then see if it will work. You see the shift here? Philosophically, there's a big issue. If you want to talk about it later, it's called the epistemic shift. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? The epistemic shift is that people no longer think or believe into to acting. They have to experience it before they believe it. You seen this happening in our culture? What difference does it make? These people saying, look, he can't be crazy. Look what he's done. What about in our lives? Would people say, you know what? Even though I don't believe some of the things you think and even though I have problems with some of the sayings of this guy that you say, it is obvious to me that it's made a difference in your life. What works? This week, maybe just think about this. Just let it kind of settle in. What, what work? What work is Jesus doing in your life to give evidence to His reality? What, what work is going on in your life? Or in my, in my life too, I'm not, not just saying. What, what work is going on that people might argue with us if we tried to explain a biblical text, but would say it is incontrovertible evidence that what Jesus has done in your life has changed you. You, you know what some of the research... In, do, do you know who the most effective evangelist... Now, we don't use that word much anymore. You know the person that's the most effective in leading other people to Jesus? A brand new Christian. Not a professor at a Bible college. Not a pastor. Not, a, not, 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 a, not even a missionary. Brand new Christian. Why? Okay, they're excited, but people have seen what? Something's changed. What happened to you? Something's changed. The, the, the research indicates these are the most effective people to lead people to Jesus. The research shows that the longer we're Christians, the more we get lifted out of that. So I'm asking for myself and for you. What work is there in your life, in my life, that gives evidence to? That's a little controversial, isn't it? It's past the thing, I go to church down here, or I've been a Christian, but, but this idea of what work is there in my life, in your life, that gives evidence to. I want you to think about that this week. So, let's move on. Uh, the responses of people to this shepherd. This is controversial. This comes in at verse 22, at the time of the feast. I read about that Jesus walking around. 
these leaders say to, hey, tell us the truth. Are you the Christ? He said, look, I've already told you. And my works verified. But Jesus says in verse 26, watch this. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow. The response of these people. Jesus raises a controversial thought here. You see, in that day and time, the Jewish people believed they were in the sheepfold of God. In fact, they were the only sheepfold. I told you before. A few weeks ago, that when Jesus said, I have sheep of another fold, that, that was not well received. <laughs> they didn't like that. But, but the idea was, we're Jewish, we're born of Abraham, and so we're in. And Jesus is saying, you're not in because you're... Well, look at what's happening. They believe because we have the law and circumcision that they were guaranteed for the age to come. I, I, you can read and study this, some if you want to. But it's the idea that no circumcised Jew could ever not be part of God's kingdom in the age to come. No, none. In fact, some rabbis wrote and taught that at the gate to hell, or Sheol, there was a, uh, or Abraham sat on a stool. You know? Abraham sat on a stool, and any uncircumcised Jew that had been condemned to hell by God, I'm just telling you what they're writing. Okay? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not advocating you. I'm just telling you what they write. That at the gate of Sheol, Abraham is there, and any circumcised Jew that is condemned to hell, he stands there and turns them back and sends them back. So it basically overturns God's decision. That, that, that's the idea. No circumcised Jew can, can, can go to hell. Jesus says, look, the, the, here's the response deal. Here's what the response is. You don't believe me when I tell you I'm him. You don't believe me because of my works. Why? What's say there in verse... Uh, 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 20, well, get my eyes there. Uh, verse 27. What, what does he say is the reason for response? You what? You're not my sheep? Because my sheep, what do they do? They hear my voice. Now, I want to think about that for a second. Look, He said, you're not of my sheep, because you're not my sheep. You, you, you don't follow me. You don't believe me. My words or my works, you're not my sheep. He defines then what that is. He said, my sheep do what? Hear my voice. You know, when I was a kid, my mother would come down to the basement and say to me in the morning, Cliff, get up and walk off. And I didn't. <laughs> and she would come back in a few minutes and say, Cliff, get up. And she'd leave. And I didn't. Now, you know what? I heard her voice, but I didn't do anything about it. My dad would get bent out of shape. I'd hear him down. My dad would always have his devotions on the other part of the basement. And my dad was, if you think I'm loud. I had a friend I talked to the other day. My dad could not pray silently. If you were praying, he was praying out loud. And so I'd hear him over in the, in the, in the, in the other part of the basement have his devotions. Oh, Lord, we thank you. He'd make up songs. We thank you for who you are. I mean, just, I'm just serious. It just, it just had to be going. My dad was an extrovert singing out here. He lived out here all the time. So my dad would hear what's going on. He would come to the foot of my bed and do this. Cliff, get up. 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 All right.
Now, I'm serious. This happened often at my house. I was one of those guys, you know, they say, these people say, they get up and say, good morning, Lord. We say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> right? I heard my mom's voice and I heard my... This idea here, hearing the voice means recognizing its authority and doing something about it. Hearing the voice, hear Jesus means, not just at the eardrum. When my mom, I just heard, I knew it was my mom, I heard her. I didn't do anything about it. This idea is hearing the voice and recognizing the authority of that voice in my life. Jesus doesn't mean you just hear Him. You just, you know, your ear reverberates. I wrote here, he, we hear His voice, we recognize His authority. In fact, I said, in the midst of all the other voices in the world, we hear that voice. We recognize it as authoritative. And you know, I, there's, a, there's an ancillary section here we could go on. This is my problem. One ver starts me in another area, but, but you know what? I think, well, I'll just, I didn't ask for permission for this, but I can do it anyway because I have the mic. <laughs> Pam Barton's in here. The very back row. She's the one turning red right now. She's an introvert. So <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Pam has a degree in spiritual formation, an advanced degree in how to help people grow spiritually. Some great I may get you some people here. <laughs> yeah, Pam is now. She's hot. Now she's Fanny. That's her. Uh, I asked her to work with me because I need help but uh, in a lot of ways, but I asked her to work with me at the university on spiritual formation for our students, helping them to grow spiritually. And Pam did some thinking about it. We got together, and as we talked about this, she said this, and I, it's, it's so profound. She said, Cliff, spiritual formation, when you get right down to what we want to do, is help these kids learn how to hear the voice of God. How, how would your life be different if you had some assurance that I can hear the voice of God? Now, now, first of all, we know we hear the voice of God through Scripture. Okay? That's, we hear that first. We know that. So when I listen to Scripture or read it, I'm, I'm listening to the voice of God. I believe, from our Westland tradition, that, that, we, that we hear the voice of God in, in, in tradition. What, what Christians have believed throughout the centuries. I don't, I don't think that we all figured it out in the 20th century and we, we know it all. We, we need to go back to the church fathers and, and others that, that through tradition, one of the, the most influential men in my life, uh, uh, Dr. Thomas Oden, uh, who has written extensively, and you ought to read him about the church father, about how do we hear the voice of God through Augustine and Tertullian and Cyril of Jerusalem. What a, what a rich heritage we have. We hear that. But as a Wesleyan, we also believe that there is the possibility. And Francis Schaeffer dug around this when he wrote a book years ago called The God Who Still Speaks. The God Who Still Speaks. That we believe that we can, on occasion, I, don't, I, I, I can't give you four steps to it, actually hear God speak to us. I will, I will out myself on this, and I'll just say this. I find it very difficult in life. I don't, I don't, it's been very rare that I've ever heard God really speak to me um, in the major decisions of my life. It's crazy. 
he has spoken to me. But whenever I was getting ready to resign the church in, in, in Louisiana to come teach here, as I was seeking and asking, I was saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm serious. I heard this. Well, what do you want to do? And I said, okay, who is this really? <laughs> right. I'm not saying I'm, 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 I am no expert in this area. There have been times when God has spoken to me. I hadn't heard a voice. But in here, I, I just know the difference between Cliff and those other eight guys. <laughs> I know those guys. I've been around them a lot. They're not God. Jesus said, my sheep hear and recognize my authority. There are times when I've read this scripture when I thought, okay, Cliff, that's it. You've got to do something about this. Or I was walking from class one day and something had happened in class and I believe God spoke to me and said, you need to take care of that. We, you know, we, I love the Bible. I want to keep reading it. I believe the tr tradition. But I think sometimes in our frightenedness, we're, we're afraid because we see a lot of craziness on Christian television. There's a lot of nuttiness out there. You know, I don't think God always tells you, you know, I better not say that. <laughs> it's too much on TV right now. Um, but as his sheep, one of the realities I want to live with and believe is that I can hear his voice. Get quiet enough. Get removed enough. Chris told me about a thing in, in Edmond that he went to the other day. It's like an egg-shaped thing. They put you in salt water. And I said, how much breathing room is there? And he said, oh, it's only about 8 or 12 inches. They put you in this thing and then they close the, it's called a sensory deprivation experience. Who in the world would want to do that? He did. And you're just quiet for an hour. No sound, nothing. You know, I'd be doing the capitals of the United States out loud. Uh, you know, every song I ever sang. But you know, sometimes you know, the scripture says, remember, it's not in the hurt, it's not in the storm, it's not in the lightning, it's the still small. Be still. And know, I'm God. You ever find it difficult to be still? <laughs> I mean, I've got an iPhone cranking off all the time. I've got an iPad beeping at me. I've got all kinds of things happening. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Man, I don't want to just this... It's a terrible way to say it. I, I don't, I don't want to just live secondhand. I still believe the Bible is God's primary way to speak to us. I'm not asking you to leave here and think you're going to start hearing voices. We have other people to talk to you about that if you do that. <laughs> On staff. <laughs> but we don't hear this much, do we? We don't talk about this very much. My sheep hear me. You know, could you just say to Jesus, Jesus, would you just clear out my ears and help me? Maybe it's as you read. The, I, listen, there have been so many times, nine million times more than to one, that when I'm reading God's Word, I can hear Him. There's, there's that. Then notice He says, and they follow me. They follow me. I've been realizing over the years that, that Jesus is not just calling people to believe in Him. In fact, if you study this, the New Testament, you realize Jesus talked about following Him. I've told you on several occasions, I don't call myself a Christian anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what I'm trying to learn to do. That's how, why I'm trying to hear the voice. 
so I can be a follower. You know, th this idea of follow me. Every issue in life now, for me, I'm trying to learn, okay, how does that help me follow him? Is it, I don't ask, is it right or wrong? Am I going to get caught or is it good? Is it, how will this help me follow him? I'm off, I'm off the morality train. I'm not, I'm not just saying, well, is this right or wrong? You know, is, is this something that will enable me to follow Jesus? I think for some time, there's been the emphasis upon faith and belief, and I'm all for that, and believing the right things and knowing the right things and be able to argue with other people and convince them, maybe. <laughs> but it's follow. The question is following. Following Jesus. It, it reminded me in 1969. Some of y'all remember that year? Yeah. Some of y'all are in college. <laughs> In 1969, John Lennon made this statement that the Beatles were more popular and more influential than who? Jesus Christ. Boy, he got a lot of heat over that. He got a lot of heat over that. But if you read some of the history on this, that he said that the Beatles were more, more popular and more influential. What he meant, and, he, and there's a new book out on these guys, and uh, there's been some other uh, books written about it, that, that what Lennon was saying was this, that as he looked at people in America and looked around the world, that the Beatles were causing people's actions and, and spending of money more than, it was than Jesus was causing Christians to act. He was, he was really commenting on that Christians were seeming to have little or any action based on their belief in Jesus. That's probably true to some extent. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on the church or followers of Jesus. I'm just saying that I think Lennon might have had a point here that really, what did the Beatles cause people to act and do things and be crazy and scream till they lost their voice? You know? Some of the language that he used was saying, is, is belief in Jesus really causing people to follow? Really causing people to follow him? Now, this is, this is a big deal. He says, look, th th this, is, this is how you know you're my sheep. You hear me, and you follow me. I wonder, and I've got just something here, I think. What if this week, I I've got to move on, because I told you I wouldn't keep you late. Whoops. What am I doing there? What do I do here? Okay. Talk among yourselves. Here it is. I know what I'm doing. I am a professional. In this idea of hearing and following, I just want to ask, this is a, a, obviously a Sony Walkman. That was 100 years ago. There was a thing they used to put in those things called a cassette tape. Has anybody seen those lately? I used to have one of those. I used to have one of those. And I would, I would uh, jog and run back then. Uh, didn't know about, you know, skin cancer and stuff like that. So when I would run, I had a little pair of running shorts. You know, they were, they were little back then. You know, they actually were short. And... Uh, and they had a little elastic band in it. And I would clip that big old piece of junk on the side of my... Deal. And no shirt. I'm probably putting some bad visuals in your mind right now. No shirt, shorts, a bandana. Take off. Lean, mean, run a machine. And I used that thing for quite a while. And every once in a while, if I saw the light was about to change, because I wanted to get there, I would go hard and go off the curb and that little elastic band that it was kind of heavy would fall off and hit the ground. Boom. Just like that. Well, I'd pick it up and run. Well, after a while, uh, 
that little thing, the, the earpiece started getting a little loose. And so I jammed some aluminum foil down in there, you know, and tightened it up. And then the, it had a dial, no such thing as digital back then, had a dial. And you, my dad would say you had to hold your mouth right to get it tuned. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it was, it was uh, abused. You know, it kept hitting the ground, kept falling. At one point, at one point, finally, uh, it hit the ground another time, and then, it, then I couldn't get anything. Now, my first thought, I'm not very rational at this point, I'm about three miles into the run, and I thought, huh, KTRH radio in Houston went off the air. <laughs> See, because it all is about me. <laughs> 50,000 watt blowtorch of a radio station. I thought, well, maybe it's this. So I went home and put some new batteries in it, you know, and, and, and recharge, you know, got it. Still nothing. And I messed around with the captain. You know what? Here's what I want to say to you about this hearing and following. Uh, there wasn't anything wrong with the radio waves in the air. Not a thing. KTRH was still sending the signal. The problem is the receiver was not in a condition to accept it. There wasn't anything wrong with the radio waves at all. They're still coming fast and furious. But because I had been goofing around with this thing and it hit the ground and bounced up a few times, after a while, this mechanism... This mechanism had gotten abused to the extent that it was not going to receive the, the signal. Now here, here's what I want to ask you to think about. What's this week? Spend some time the evening, right after dinner, just before going to bed, reading God's, John's gospel and listening. It's not that the signal's not coming. It just made the receivers a little messed up. Maybe the receiver has got to get some adjustments put to it. Maybe the receiver needs a little help here. So what if you did sometime in the evening, right there, listening to Jesus' voice and say, just speak to me. Now, you know, you don't, nothing has to happen. I'm not saying that you have to come away with some huge revelation or some incredible new idea. We're not trying to, I'm not trying to pressurize this for you. I'm trying to get you to make some space for this. It may, it, nothing may happen. In, in terms of hearing, it's okay. We were in a centered group, you know, and they, they said on one night, go for 45 minutes and find a quiet place and sit down and don't say anything and listen. And I said, to what? <laughs> that was hard for me. <laughs> I'm over there. Oh. Just create. So it, it may be that your receiver needs to get a little attention. It, the signal's coming, but, but you need some, some help with the receiver. Does that make sense? See, see, this is where Jesus is controversial. He's saying, here's how you know. Not can you recite the Nicene Creed or the Apostle. Those are all good things. Do you hear my voice? And do you follow me? That, that kind of boils it down. So if you did that this week, could you do that? Sure. Could you create some space there to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. So I, I recommend use the Bible or read something from the church fathers, somebody that's a follower of Jesus or some Christian you know today that's written something and read it and say, now God, what do you want to say to me? How do you want to do that?
You know what? We're not going to do this today. I told you I wasn't going to keep you long. The shepherd's view of eternal life. I want you to just look here in verse 28. And I give them eternal life. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one, and the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Uh, this is going to have to be next week or another time. This idea that Jesus has about eternal life, let me just ask you to look at it. You can come back and think about it later. That in the text here, Jesus says, I give them eternal life. What? And they shall never perish. The verb here in this, in this passage is, I give it to them now. Eternal life is not something in the future. This is the controversial nature of this statement that Jesus is making. Eternal life is not just something in the future. Something that we get when we get to heaven. Eternal life is something we experience now. And I'll just play my hand here and come back and get it later. These are, these are, these are college words, but you'll get it. Eternal life is both quantitative and qualitative. Eternal life is both quantitative and qualitative. We're going to look at that. Because this will radically, I think, or it could, maybe not, maybe already, but it could change the way you understand. What is eternal life? What is it? Is it, is it just living forever? No. It's a qualitative matter as well as quantitative. I thought about this way, and I'll just leave you with this. For you Trekkie fans, <laughs> Nimoy is given the Vulcan sign. Got to be a little bit de dexterous of that. He always said, live long and prosper. prosper. See, some people think that eternal life is just live long. It's much more than that. And the controversy of it is what Jesus is trying to say. I give it to them. They never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I just want you to take some time to look at this as we get ready to do that later. So, so, so here's, the, here's the plan. We'll, we'll finish here today and we'll continue. Is that a surprise? <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, your presence both comforts and disturbs us at times. You are both wonderful and comforting and you are a disturbing presence even as we think about how you have defined these matters here today, about your words and your work in our own lives, and how we might, if you will, follow you. Lord, help us in this coming week to allow you to work in our hearts and minds in such a way that we can apply these truths, not just agree with them, not just accept them, but apply them in our lives, and we give you praise and honor in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. See you. Live long and prosper. <laughs>